as the church celebrates the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, the world around us is celebrating Father's Day. So I'd, I'd like to say a few words about Father's Day uh, before I begin my reflections on today's scripture readings. Uh, St. Paul, uh, in one of the, his letters, tells us that all fatherhood in heaven and on earth receives its name from God. And this tells us that we don't call God our Father because he resembles our fathers. We call our fathers Father because they are supposed to resemble God. The fullness of what it means to be a father is God the Creator. And those of you who are blessed to be fathers are to have the image of God the Father in your mind as you re respond to the love of your spouses and your children. So that's a big task, isn't it? To imitate the fatherhood of God. But that's what Christian fathers are supposed to do. And as we know, all the studies um, that are being done today in sociology are reminding us of how important the roles of fathers are in the lives of their children. And that's especially the case when it comes to religious practice. I saw another study this week that said that if mother goes to church, the children may or may not go, but if the father goes to church and gives that examples to his, to his children, about 80% of the children in that family will go to church. Isn't that huge? A huge difference. So you have a big weight, big responsibility on your shoulders, but we're praying for you, our fathers, on this Father Day. My own father died 40 years ago this year, so he's been with God for a long, long time. But I often pray for him, and I think it's important for us to love our fathers, whether they're living or deceased. So don't forget to pray for your deceased fathers and grandfathers, as well as our living fathers, as we celebrate Father's Day today. Now to turn our minds to this feast of the Most Holy Trinity. I'd like to begin by reading a very short passage from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And this is what the Catechism says. The mystery of the Most Holy Trinity is the central mystery of Christian faith and life. It is the mystery of God in himself. It is therefore the source of all other mysteries of faith, the light that enlightens them. It is the most fundamental and essential of our teachings. So we gather together on this Sunday after Pentecost to spend a little bit of time reflecting on what the Catholic Church means, the Christian community means, when it says that God is one and at the same time three which is the mystery of the Trinity. And I'd like to once again remind you what the church means when she says mystery. It doesn't mean something that is hidden and we have to discover. What mystery means when, when talked about in church language is an element of our faith that is so deep 
that it requires continual reflection in order to penetrate into its meaning. So we can, in some sense, understand the Trinity, but it takes some effort on our part to do that. So I hope our reflections together today will be the beginning of your own effort to try to understand what this means and how it fits into your life of faith. Our first reading today is from the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. We know that the Jewish people are spiritual forebearers, were intensely monotheistic. The word mono means one, and theos means God. So monotheism means the belief in one God, as opposed to polytheism. The word poly means many, so polytheism means belief in many gods, and monotheism means the belief in one God. For example, Hinduism is a polytheistic religion. There's a pantheon of gods, many, many gods, a god for each occasion in human experience and human life. But the Jews were intensely monotheistic, and that's how they distinguished themselves from the people in their community, in their, in their broader historical community. They believed in one God, and that one God was Yahweh. Okay? Nonetheless, there are hints, just hints, of the Christian mystery of the Trinity in some of the Old Testament writings. And the reason we have this passage from the book of Proverbs today is that it has that hint. Uh, what's presented here is a picture of the creation of the world by God. But in this reading, God is accompanied in that act of creation by what is referred to as wisdom. Thus says the wisdom of God, the Lord God possessed me the beginning of his ways, the forerunner of his prodigies of long ago. From of old I was poured out. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. And it goes on and on and on. If you paid attention to the reading, that somehow wisdom was present with God the Creator from the very beginning. When the Lord established the heavens, I was there. When he marked out the vaults over the face of the deep, I was there. Then was I beside him as his craftsman, and I was his delight. Now when the Christian community, believing in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, looked at this reading, they saw, a, in a sense, a foretaste of the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, identifying wisdom in this passage with the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Word, God who became Jesus Christ in the Incarnation. So already in the Jewish scriptures is some hint of the mystery of the Holy Trinity. Our second reading, which is from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, we find in the same passage reference to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So although the early church didn't say we believe in the Trinity, the early church did believe in the Trinity uh, in what it was talking about in the writings that we now call the scriptures of the New Testament. 
St. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Reference to God the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son. Not only that, but the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So already in the New Testament writings, the early writings or the letters of St. Paul, we find this reference to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit without, this, without actually the theological expression that we call the Holy Trinity today. And then finally, we have today's gospel, which is a passage from the Gospel of St. John. And this is interesting because it helps us understand what we refer to as the development of our faith, the development of doctrine. You know, if you ask St. Peter or St. Paul in the early church if they believed in the Holy Trinity, they probably wouldn't know what you're talking about. If you ask them if they believed in God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, they would say yes. But this notion of what we refer to theologically as a trinity was a later development of doctrine. And the reason why there was a development of doctrine is because there was division in our community, in the Christian community, over who Jesus and the Holy Spirit actually were. An example of that is Arianism. You know, you might have heard of the heresy of Arianism, which was very popular in the first centuries of the church. The Arians believed that God the Father was uncreated, God, but that the second person of the Trinity was created. In other words, the Son was made out of nothing in the, in the course of, of time. And so the church debated, is that true? Is Jesus God or is he a creature? Somewhat like God, but not, not exactly like the Father. Now, how can the church develop its doctrine? Well, we have this passage from the Gospel of St. John. This is what Jesus says to this early community and to us. He says, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. Everything that the Father has is mine for this reason. I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. So we believe as Catholic Christians that the Holy Spirit is present in the life of the church, guiding us to the fullness of understanding of the truth. Because we have Jesus' promise that that will happen. So what does the church believe? How did the doctrine develop in the course of history? Well, we turn to the Nicene Creed, which is a creed that you and I profess nearly every Sunday of the year. And I'd like to go through that rather quickly in order to articulate what the church believes about God, okay? So there's several paragraphs here that refer to the Trinity. You've heard these words a thousand times before. I believe, that's what you and I say every Sunday, in one God. We believe that God is one. The Father Almighty, the Creator, the Maker of heaven and earth. 
of all things visible and invisible. So God is the Father, the Creator. A Creator is someone who makes something out of nothing. And that's what God did. He created the universe as we know it out of His goodness and His love. He didn't create itself. God created the universe in which we live. God created the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the whole universe. God created the plant life and the animal life, and God created human beings. He may have used the process of evolution because God can create any way he wants to create, but nonetheless, everything that doesn't, everything in the world that has a beginning is a creature, something created by God. So we know that God is the Father and Creator. Christians also say this, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. Now, what does this mean? Let's look at it more closely. We believe that the Father from all eternity, from all eternity, that means always, begot the Son. And, and that means that the Father in some ways is the principle from which the Son and the Holy Spirit flow. Not created, but begotten is what the church says. Light from light, true God from true God, God for all eternity. So the second person of the Trinity is referred to as the Son, begotten of the Father, but at the same time, there's only one God from all eternity. So the Son wasn't created, he wasn't made from nothing, he flowed out of the very being of God. He goes on to say, the Nicene Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds, another word for begotten, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. Now, adoration is only, belongs only to God. We don't adore the saints, we honor the saints. Adoration belongs only to God. So we Christians say we believe in the Holy Spirit to be of the one God, to be adored like the Father and the Son. And in some ways, the Holy Spirit flows from the eternal life of God in the love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father. Now, it's, it's at the heart of the Christian faith that God is love, right? Not that God loves, although God does love us, but that God in him very, his very self is love. And it's impossible to be love and to be solitary. 
I mean, you don't love yourself, you know. You, love is something you do in relationship to the other. So from all eternity, we believe that God is eternal love. The Father loving the Son, and the Father and the Son loving the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit loving the Father and the Son. And in this dynamo of energetic, self-giving love, God has poured himself out in the created world that we see around us. In other words, God created the world that you and I live in and created us in the world in order to give himself away in love to what was not God, to, to us. And that's what God is like. God, is, God can't help but love because that's who God is. You know? So we believe that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. We believe that there's only one God, not three gods. We believe that the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son. They are three distinct persons in the mystery of God's unity. Now, this is a mystery, right? It's a very, very complex thing for us to understand. And the only reason we know it is because God has decided to reveal it to us. It revealed to us in, in the scriptures, of course, but also in the teachings of the church. If we were left on our own, we wouldn't be able to even begin to think about this mystery of the Holy Trinity. It's part of God's self-revelation. God has told us about himself because he wants us to know him and to love him. He's a strange God, that he wants the love of his creatures. He wants us to love him back. And we celebrate that as we celebrate this Feast of the Holy Trinity on this Sunday after Pentecost. Now, do you have any questions? <laughs> I, I ask that rhetorically. I'm sure we all do, you know. But it should be part of our adventure as Christians to explore the mystery of the doctrines of our church with joy in order to enter joyfully and totally into this mystery of God's self-revelation and God's love for us. It's a great privilege for us to be able to share in the life of God promised to us through our baptism, through our Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so happy feast of the Holy Trinity. You have to be able to respond to the questions of your children and grandchildren. And you won't be able to do that unless you understand the mystery of the Trinity as best you can yourself. So don't put that off. Read the Catechism of the Catholic Church. There are books on the Trinity that you should read. Uh, in some ways, they can be difficult to understand, but in another way, they're not, if you just have open hearts and open minds. And if it is the foundation of our faith, it's important for it to be part of our personal commitment. We began today's Mass in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. And we ask the Lord to help us live Trinitarian lives, uh, committed to love others as God has loved us. Amen.